Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. As is the way with these shows uh, where we remember someone who's passed, it seems a little strange to do the music at the beginning. It seems a little bit self-serving and I, I didn't really want to do that. And so we, that's why these episodes tend to not have a, the, the kind of usual opening that, that they, they do. Who are we talking about today? Um, obviously, we're talking about Eddie Van Halen, EVH, uh, Eddie, you know, um, one of those people, uh, you know, with many different titles, but a lot of them knew him as the king. I wasn't going to do this episode. I wasn't going to do a kind of remembering thing because I did like everybody else when I heard that he passed. I went and started listening to loads of Van Halen stuff. I went and picked up my guitars. It's some of them endorsed by Eddie himself. And and play and and sort of you know do the do, tap and and kind of play those classic riffs and stuff like that and that was that was my way of of remembering the, the guy you know and uh, and playing and then people started messaging and saying well um are you going to are you going to do an episode about it I was like oh, I hadn't really thought about it you know a, a lot of my friends had done really great tributes where they showed playing sections of songs or riffs or things that sounded like eddie and the influences that they have and they, they're brilliant and i, I love them to bits some some great stuff by some great friends and pictures and stuff of of, of the, the their memories of them as you should do when when someone great passes and someone that means a lot to you passes um and I, i'm a man of words too many words some may say but i'm a man of words so a lot of people are like you should really say something about you know what he meant to you you know because i'm sure that a lot of people will share the, the same views and i don't know if you will you might you might not if you do you know that, that's great if you don't that's great too everybody should just remember a, a wonderful human being and a, and a wonderful musician now normally i would tell some story about meeting or seeing this person live or some kind of connection that i had with that with that person and the truth of the matter is i didn't see van halen live i've never seen van halen live i've never seen eddie van halen live and i've never met eddie van halen have you met van halen themselves it, I, not through you know not through lack of trying for sure like, like trying to, to get to see them but obviously it, they did in the latter stages of eddie's life he didn't they didn't tour over in the uk it wasn't really regularly on their touring schedule and so I never really got the, the the chance to see them see them actually in person, which me- makes it now mythology, mythology and uh, mythical character like, and it's beautiful. I'm kind of happy I didn't because he now he just passes into mythology of these great people like Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that who I'll never ever see, and and my memories are are all on wax. They're all they're all vinyl. They're all kind of memories of videos and stuff of seeing this person um, do these extraordinary extraordinary things but i have spoke to a lot of people who did meet him a lot of people who did spend time with him and there's one underlying or thread that's run through everybody's stories about eddie and that he was super fucking nice a super nice guy who just loved playing the guitar loved 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 the guitar and everything about it he didn't read music just loved guitar loved the playing loved everything about it. it was constantly looking to innovate and, and improve. So what I thought the probably the one of the ways you should go through it is I've got much notes here in front of me at all, to be fair. I, 
is go through some selections of songs. Now, everybody's put up their favourite songs, you know, and as rightly they should, and playlists of, of things that they should uh, that you should listen to, and, and you, you're going to be able to see a billion of them, and you should you should listen to all of them and go through his entire back catalogue and Van Halen's back catalogue. But I thought I might pull some deeper pulls, some that meant more to me, maybe songs you hadn't considered, not always the go-to ones when we talk about EVH. Um, and kind of interspersed that with things that it, it did spark off in my in my memory. So, you know, where does it all start? It starts in, in 1978's, you know, uh, uh, Van Halen 1. And that's like, you know, the song I'm picking from that isn't going to be Eruption, isn't going to be You Really Got Me, isn't going to be Running With The Devil. Because they, they are, everybody knows these songs. For me, it was Ice Cream Man. and um, the reason it jumps out is I, I obviously I was born in 1975 and this came out in 78, so I had no real knowledge. I found this a lot later on by a friend who would constantly play that uh, acoustic beginning and then switch and pick up an electric guitar and start playing that because the song's kind of in two parts. It's got this uh, boogie woogie kind of feel at the beginning with like uh, Dave Lee, you know, riffing all over it and, and dancing all over. And then Eddie Van Halen comes in with the guitar and it just leapt out of the, off the speakers at me it was just incredible sound that, 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 that he got and you know and it's one of those songs that I, I just i've always i've always loved and i've always been super impressed with anybody that knows it or can play it I've got a few friends who can play it because it's yes it's technically there's, there's some interesting stuff going on with it but it, it's more about kind of the feel of it and that's what van halen had this wonderful feel and he had a wonderful sense of time and we can't talk about Eddie without talking about Eruption. Um, and obviously, that was absolutely Sizek McForby as well, because it was, you know, his tour de force, his grand opus that was essentially just him practicing. And he says that there's, you know, there's mistakes in it. And you can read all about Eruption. You could do a whole episode just about Eruption. And we could talk about, you know, who came first with Tap. And let's not get into that. Jesus, that's a bigger conversation. Eddie popularized it and certainly brought it a quantum leap forward. And some say in favor than anybody's ever took it. And 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 that was where most people start with Eddie because it was so it crossed boundaries because it wasn't about rock and roll, it wasn't about guitar playing, it was just about what the fuck is this guy doing? He's creating a whole other sound that we'd never heard before. It was a, a fluidity and stuff that didn't exist. And, you know, that will be probably as one of his indelible marks on on, on music and guitar. But then What's interesting for me is my one of my favourite albums is Van Halen 2. So it's it's 79 and it's Van Halen 2. And I like Spanish Fly from, from, from that. Now, it isn't the song that I'm selecting from that, but it is the um the the kind of like that's that's super impressive. I listen to that song, it's like pouring water out of a jug. It's so beautiful and so fluid. And and hearing that on electric guitar works just as well as on, on acoustic, but he just had this slap to what he was playing, and it was just this incredible fluidity of playing. That you know, realistically, he was born from him playing. You know, not seeing that many bands, seeing something that Jimmy Page had done, and kind of running with that. And a lot of his guitar playing came from him in his garage, experimenting what sounded good. Oh, look at this, look at that. I remember him quoting him. Uh, uh, saying that when he, he noticed that you could play a note, play it 12 frets up, and it was the same note, he he didn't understand that that was theory. He thought it was magic. Um, the song I'm picking from Van Halen 2 is Women in Love, mainly because um, 
that tapping intro or tapped intro i should say uh, with the harmonics and the bell harmonics going on is quite beautiful quite it's like the guitar became a, an instrument all of its own and then what's interesting is it goes to a beautiful song and those chords at the beginning shouldn't work when you play them separately on their own they're, they're, they're they almost don't work the same thing happens in a hopper teacher with some of the kind of chords that get thrown in there these passing chords that get put in it shouldn't work but it does and it just sounds like all these ideas beautifully woven together you know uh 79 and, and van halen 2 we get that i mean you get the original cover uh in van halen 1 that they did and they didn't like it if you've ever seen that cover look look up the original cover of van halen 1 it's awful and then they changed it to that great one that we now know and love with the four sort of sections but van halen 2 was like this blue cover and i i think i've played that album more than any other van halen album it's just full of of beautiful things, lights up the sky and all that type of thing. Um, but it was the first time I'd ever seen the uh, the Bumblebee guitar. I think it's called a Bumblebee guitar, which was the black with the yellow stripes. So he famously, the first guitar is uh, the, the the white, black and red sort of stripes and kind of crossover things that he got because that was the only paint he had, apparently, you know, and that's why he did it. And then it, it kind of progressed and he did other, other, other guitars, but the uh, away from the Frankenstrats. But then... He did the Bumblebee guitar, which was the first time I'd seen him with a, another guitar. I was like, oh, this is Eddie's other guitar. And obviously that had an effect on a young um, Dimebag, uh, Daryl, because he, um, you know, would uh, would would talk about that album. And he talk, talk to, talks about it very fondly. But as the story goes, the, he was like, oh, you know, I love that guitar. And Eddie was like, well, I'm, they're making replicas and you can buy replicas of that. And I'll send you a, a replica. And... Uh, and you know, as 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 Eddie often did, the uh, history is littered with these stories as we'll go through there of him being super generous about equipment and stuff and and that type of thing. And so then, I talk about this on 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 a few episodes. Dime passes away. He is shot on stage, and um, and he gets uh, Eddie Van Halen sends that guitar for Dimebag to to be buried with. He understood how important. And the innovations that Dime was making with the guitar recognized something within himself in him as well as they both did. There's some kind of kinship, kinship to to each other, kind of like a mutual sort of soul. And now, you know, Dimebag's buried with that guitar, and it always makes me well up. It always makes me, you know, it's a lump in my throat talking about it now. And then, you know, I've talked, I talked to Vinny, God bless his soul, about about this himself. Before they went on stage, they would say to each other, their code word to say, well, we're on and we're ready and we're going to get this done, was Van Halen. They would, they would say Van Halen. It was like, well, let's get it on. And then we'd go on and play a set. So essentially, that was the last thing that, that they, they said to each other. You know, think about that. Think about how important uh, that was. Um, unbelievable. Um, if we go sort of into the 80s now with um, Women and Children First, I kind of this was the this is like a part of uh, of Van Halen history that kind of me, people almost miss out. They, they have the, the the beginning of the Roth era, then they have the, the the Sammy era, and then and then beyond. And this sometimes sits in, in between there. This is the the album Will Women and Children first, and there's all kinds of experimentation on this. But for me, it's everybody wants some. Is the song I first heard on a film called Better Off Dead with John Cusack. Where a hamburger with Eddie's Frankenstein guitar plays plays the the, the song. Check it out; it's it'll be on on the internet. And it's 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 the it's the interplay 
with with Alex's brother. It's the interplay that it's like a this almost kind of tribal drumming that we would see kind of evolve into half a teacher. This do 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 be and him kind of working with that and wrestling with feedback and then that opening chord thinks a D chord that opening chord that and it's just to go into that beautiful sort of ACDC like what a just it's an incredible piece of music the whole album's full of experimentation Torah 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 and things like that but it's absolutely just just imagine one guy standing in front of the amp just a huge sound incredible you know and 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 then we talk about him playing with his his brother, uh, you know, and and that cannot be understated as well, you know, the 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 interplay between him, Eddie being a very rhythmical player. He often talks about if you want to be a good guitar player, be a good rhythm player, and it often gets overlooked. That, you know, Eddie, you know, was shredder and technical player and could do all these wonderful tricks and sounds and noises, but his his rhythm playing was absolutely second to none. It was just really beautiful sort of triads and little sort of bits and pieces interwoven and, and, and huge and understanding of the chords and then breaking them down and all that kind of beautiful interplay there. He had that down so well. I mean, anyone haven't seen to me, he was, he was my best guitar teacher that I never sat in a room with. You know, he was almost like your bigger brother, your cooler, bigger brother that you'd like, what's Eddie doing now? What's, what, what, what's he playing? Oh, you're trying to do that. And, and he was always seen as friendly and not, not hide. He's very open about his, his, his playing and stuff. Um, and then we get on to, you know, for me, one of my favourite Van Halen albums, Fair Warning. And it's a really strange album, Fair Warning. It throws a lot of people for a curve. And it's probably only on most people's radar because of Unchained, you know. Um, and rightly so, because Unchained is one of Van Halen's best songs. But for me, it was Push Comes to Shove because it was a different meter. It was a different kind of way not way of playing but a different feel and that's what eddie could do song to song album to album every song had a different feel but you knew it was eddie all the way through that you know he had that unbelievable touch of being two notes in and you knew it was eddie and a lot of people would would, would compare him to Jimi hendrix and that's understandable you know innovating tech and you know different playing styles and what he different strange and crazy noises and wonderful songs and stuff like that and that's it's probably a fair comparison for me. He was probably closer to Les Paul, um, and Les was, you know, constantly, you know, as famously we know, uh, messing around with with the guitar and changing things and pickups and things like that and all that type of stuff, as well as being, you know, you know, think something like how how high the moon and stuff. It was was doing other sort of credible pop stuff as well, and. That's that was the kind of always how I seen Eddie. He was just he he wasn't he was above the genre, if you will, or or even kind of his own world. Then we get on to Diver Down, the one with the white stripe and the red cover, um, you know, and that's a weird album with with Happy Trails, and a lot of people don't like that because it's like there's some covers on it. I first discovered that album through the song that I'm going to suggest on the American version of. Um, weird science and there's a couple of other cuts of weird science where they just play the weird science track over where this would n- normally happen it's where um ah what's her name w- wandering through someone's going to shout at the podcast now um and wandering through the the, the supermarkets and the guys following it's this but it's a song oh pretty woman and uh, roy orbison obviously but it, what it shows is within the context of a song because originally van halen did um all these sort of covers and stuff originally when they, when they started and and eddie would have to put his own spin on things 
and Pretty Woman's a perfect example of that. Taking the riff, dum 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 dum, and then just these massive whammy bar dives and 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 all that type of thing going on. It's just a brilliant example of taking a song and making it your own, very pop. Which leads us to you know how most of the uninitiated or people who didn't know Eddie's work would maybe have have seen him because you know Quincy Jones is recording an album. And he says, you know, let's get some, uh, you know, let's get a guitar player on it to cross over to the to the kids and the teenagers. And allegedly, or apparently, the uh, Pete Townsend is the first choice. But then Pete convinces Quincy that, that that Eddie's the way forward, and Eddie comes in to do the solo to beat it. Michael Jackson's beat it, and um, it's notable for for many many reasons. And the the, the folklore and the stories purely just behind that song are massive. You know, that it was recorded in less than an hour, that, you know, Eddie gets a case of beer apparently for it and some dance lessons off Michael Jackson. But also that he chose to um, change the song slightly, which was fucking taboo. And, you know, in Quincy's world and, and Michael Jackson's world, there was a very clear idea of what they wanted. There was no room for changing. Um, and it's the slight shift from the bum, 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 bum. It's that, sh- it's that kind of shift to allow them a little bit more room. And Eddie just fucking unloads, just unloads every single trick he knows in 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 short fashion, just through the whole fucking song. And it must have just, you know, someone who would who was who would just learning guitar was just like, what the fuck? And I've never seen it. If I'm honest, I've never seen it played right ever by someone else. I've seen it played pretty close, and that's great. Eddie used to say that he used to get frustrated that he couldn't sound like Jimmy Page, and then realised that he sounded like himself. And um, but then. That's when things explode for for Van Halen, you know, and certainly for Eddie. Now he gets like you know, goes and teaches like Dweezil Zappa, um, you know, Frank's Frank's son, and, and turns up in the in the jumpsuit from from Women and Children First and stuff, and 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 you know, suddenly becomes a pop culture icon, and he really does, you know, when people see him playing with um with Michael Jackson, like who the fuck is this guy? Like Slash did later on, um, and so. Then we get to, you know, one of probably Van Halen's crowning glories, 1984 from 1984. And this album is, is it's perfect. It, it's, it, it is perfect. And that is simply the end of it. It's perfect. Um, and there's a load of tracks on this. You know, I talk about half a teacher and how important that is, uh, you know, top Jimmy and that type of thing. But what's interesting is that, you know, that album opens with these kind of discordant stuff going on. This weird non-guitaring type of thing stuff going, and then and then you know obviously we get Jump, their biggest success. Now the record executives must have been like, well we've got this hot shot rock and roll band with the, one of the best guitarists in the world, and then get Jump, where this is look like keyboard driven, which just shows you just how much is understanding of melody and song. You just go, well we're going to play the keyboards on this, not even going to play the guitar on this. Well obviously there's guitar on it. Especially when they do it do it live, but for me, the song that I enjoy one of the most from there that doesn't get maybe the credit it deserves is "Drop Dead Legs" because it's just this wonderful, like sort of uh, stomp and this wonder. But it's it's at the end the solo and the outro solo is just absolutely glorious example of his vibrato and and legato mixed with the pull offs and hammer on things. It just it did the and it just kind of flies along. It's absolutely superb. And that's when they go, you know, uh, in 1984, they, they played Donington in arguably what some people consider the greatest monsters of rock of all time. And there's numerous pictures from that. And this is the first time we kind of get to see 
the pictures kind of come forward and we see Eddie's guitar and we're like, what's that? It doesn't look like anything else. Why do, Why does he do that? And that's with the questions I was asking. It's like, why doesn't he play a Strat? Why doesn't he play a Les Paul? And, you know, he because he wants to create... So he liked the Strat sound, but like the, the, the Les Paul sound and the feel. So he created his own thing, this Frankenstrat, which we now as Super Strats know and, and on off they went and they kind of changed history. You know, his his sort of endorsements if you will and his connection with like kramer and fender and pv uh you know way beyond the average i'll stand next to your fucking amp you know or i'll hold your guitar or say i use those picks or whatever it went way beyond that you know deeply ingrained with the construction of his pedals and deeply in constru- constrained uh, uh, involved with the, the making of the cabinets and, and, and that type of thing, famously setting up mute, load, loads of cabinets and one he, he changed the spec off and he could tell which one was there because obviously Eddie's got the magic the magic ears. And, you know, and so 80, 80, 84 and, and, and beyond were, were absolutely, you know, seismic for them. You know, but then obviously, you know, Roth leaves the, leaves the band and we, we start to, to, you know, kind of enter the, uh, the, the sort of the Sammy Hagar. I have, my own preference is I prefer the Roth era I listen to that more, but there is some, you know, there's certainly some of his greatest stuff is done during during Sammy's era and and beyond. So we go to 1986 and 5150, and 5150 being the code for you know crazy person or whatever you know uh, insane person uh, on on police band and stuff like that. I've used 5150 as a code to to get onto my tour buses that I've done quite a few times. And normally, if I have to tell someone and I can't write the code down or message them, I say. It's the um, it's the code for crazy whacked out insane guy that um, that that Van Halen used and and he instantly know it's Van Halen. I'm gonna choose the the song fifty one fifty mainly because I'd never the stuff I was listening to was riff based and chord based and this was kind of palm muted and it was just this orchestration of it of an idea was just incredible. Uh, you know, and then to, then to go into something, he did that a lot. He'd have like the solo section and the intro was always experimental, like Jimmy used to do. And then the main song was kind of almost straight up, if you will, or almost kind of uh, balanced, if you will, kind of a bit more pop and a bit more accessible. It's at this stage that you know, I you you, you wonder about you know his his influence beyond playing, and that came from like you know, I, he actually got patents. He has three patents. To, to his name, so you know, no, no guitarist or most people can't say they have like one for a prop support that goes underneath the guitar, so you can kind of tap it and use it like a pedal steel almost for tail pieces and for headstocks bits and pieces as well. He was absolutely obsessed with 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 you know perfecting the instrument, moving the instrument forward. You know, I, I have many stories from 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 friends of mine who've said that they've handed it. He's been got a guitar off Eddie, and he's. Uh, He's told them what he needed to tweak, or he's took a guitar off and grabbed the screwdriver and, and adjusted it. And you just think that this is that's incredible that he was a, constantly tinkering with with stuff and constantly improving it to get it where it needed to be, or the sound in his head that he wanted to do. And um, you know, later on, you know, people like Steve Vai would go and do this dramatically and create their own guitars as well. And you know, even Toshi Abashi and stuff like that would do would do the same. And then we get on to. Um, 1988 and OU812 and this was a whole thing where he would do 5150 and OU812 and 316 and all these numbers that we, he, he kind of used and they were all and I just thought that was just the coolest uh, thing, thing. Uh, there's loads of songs on, on this album and I'm going to choose Black and Blue on uh, on OU812 
just because I, it's, it's it's so complete and it's such a good example of him playing within the framework of the song and still sounding like him like himself. Um, interestingly, I think I would suggest that everybody checks out um when he gets he does a talk for the Smithsonian Institute in 2015, and um he talks about the origins of his playing and his tech and his equipment, but also the origin of his family, um and and all that type of thing and kind of where he comes from. It's absolutely fascinating, even for the parts where he's playing, which are fabulous, obviously, but the parts when he's not. Mainly because it's the first time I heard Eddie speak, and I didn't realize he had this deep voice because obviously he smoked and he and he drank. Um, but I would check that out. The Smithsonian sort of talk that he gives, and then we get to where I kind of was discovering music a proper, like as it came out, if you if you will, rather than like retroactively or retrospectively. And that's with 1991's uh, "Fuck" album or "For and Love Lawful Carnal Knowledge." And that begins with pound cake. That's not the song I'm picking, but that begins with pound cake with like drills and stuff like that. And this is when you know Paul Gilbert and I like were using drills and uh, and all craziness on on guitars. But it, what a sound! What a sound that album is! Absolutely superb. The song I'm going to pick is uh, is three one six. And what's interesting about that song, and it gets used all the time in his solo and stuff, is that it's simple. It's a very simple progression, very easy to play, but it's such a beautiful melody. It just traverses that whole kind of thing. It's so interesting that he slots that into the solo. And at this point as well, it's probably like as a sidebar to talk about um, the, the another thing you should watch, which is uh, Live Without a Net, which has possibly the greatest example of Eddie soloing with everything thrown in there, all the stuff from Cathedral, from Mean Streets, 316, Eruption, um, you know, Spanish flat, everything's thrown in there. And it's amazing. It's also some great stuff going on there where they play like, you know, rock and roll by Led Zeppelin. But also Eddie breaks a string and it's on camera. He was so, uh, you know, away from having an ego of any kind. He lets that happen, you know, because he must use like, you know, famously uses a lot of dead strings. Like, but he was so without, you know, without kind of ego, you know, which is incredible. I don't know, like, you know, Wolfgang, his son, Wolfgang William Van Halen, is is born around this time and i don't know if it maybe that has a a massive sort of you know overbearing over kind of like you know how his life changed and stuff famously you know going into you know rehab and stuff and then being sober from i believe 2007 and and it was interesting you know that then we have to wait till like 1995 to get balance balance was the one of the first albums i bought when it came out and there's loads of great stuff that Amsterdam and, and stuff like that. Um, but I'm going to choose Aftershock from that. I think it's a great. It just reminds you kind of like the the, the Van Halen still can do it. You know, they, this was fraught with like Sammy kind of causing you know uh, some problems and and him and Eddie Eddie not getting on and uh, uh, you know Michael Anthony having problems and the kind of whole fractious nature of that as well. Um, which I I'm not going to dwell on here. There's no point in dwelling on, on any of that. And um, what I will talk about is one of my favorite pictures. Of Eddie Van Halen, and there's a lot of them out there, you know, a lot of them with the crazy pants on, with him jumping in the air, all that type of stuff. But for me, uh, the picture that uh, I love the most is him in his workshop, and it's like a side-on picture with him working on a guitar, and there's fucking tools everywhere, and paint cans, and drills, and you know, work clamps, and 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 hacksaws, and and it's absolutely full. And it's clear he's just busy working at doing something that he wants to do, changing something, adjusting something like that. And I love the fact that he was 
always tinkering and always looking and, and seeking. He was very much seeking for, for the, to the next thing. Um, we have to wait to, to, to kind of 98 to get Van Heitland 3 with, with Gary Cherone, obviously, from, 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 uh, from Extreme. But, and that was kind of like, you know, down, not downplayed the fact that, you know, that Gary joins Van Halen and stuff. But apparently a lot of my friends had seen him live at that, at that stage. They were absolutely fucking, you know, on the money. They were, they were great. And, you know, that's why I'm going to choose Fire in a Hole from, 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 from that album. But, um, you know, even during any, you know, Eddie just became bigger than, he was like mythology, like fucking Robin Hood. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, Alexander the Great or someone. It just it just trans transcended. Eddie is the is the is is friendly, and Eddie Eddie Van Halen is the name for you know quality and guitarists all around in every genre respected him. It was like it's a badge of honor to be able to play Eruption. You know, anytime anybody taps anything, it's Eddie that gets remembered. Even when someone uses a phaser, I often think of think of Eddie such as an ingrained sort of thing in there. And then we get um, twenty twelve, and I get a different kind of truth, and it's like you know, Sammy kind of returning. And often it was like when's the reunion tour happening? It was much fated that it was happening, and when's the tour happening? That was when I was planning to go and see him, you know. Um, and the it it, it kind of happened in you know, in the states and stuff, but it never really came here. And obviously, illness illness you know takes takes hold. But I'm going to choose Stay Frosty from that because it reminded me of Ice Cream Man quite a lot so i i really like that um and it, and it kind of reminded me of, the, of just a band playing songs that they really love it was nice that i think everybody kind of involved in the process like sammy and and roth and stuff all eventually kind of made the piece before eddie passes away pass away at 65 which is you know feels like you know he, he could have gone on and done so much more you know um but he fitted so much into into that lifetime so much guitar playing he will be forever remembered as you know, I, I don't do lists. I find them, you know, a bit odious and they're not really necessary. They just used to cause arguments. I you know, if there is a greatest guitar player of all time, um Eddie Van Halen is is most definitely at the table. Most definitely at the table. As a super nice guy and as an innovative uh, player and designer and engineer, if you will, he, he absolutely second to none. We don't have guitar playing as we know it now and you would say okay yeah you don't have the rock stuff you don't have the metal stuff but you know people like jack white pay tribute to eddie because that's how important eddie was you know um far and above the, the genre far and above the music uh far and above the playing his influence stands quite tall as being you know one of the greatest musicians and one of the greatest guitar players of, of all time um and they're, they're my thoughts. I urge you to go and listen to everything they've ever done. I urge you to pick up a guitar and play. If you play guitar, go back, like Eddie says on those, those clips we're seeing. Man, got to keep playing. Got to keep playing. Um, Thank you for everything you've ever done, Eddie. I cannot thank you enough, EVH, for for everything that you, you did to inspire me to play, and inspire me to make sounds on, on the guitar. Um, And long live the king.